0: Welcome to Real Talk, Real Woman, Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Serenity Gorokov, your host, and today we have Carla Vaughn. Thank you for being here, Carla. Thank you for having me, Gemma. My first question for you: can you please introduce yourself, a little bit of who you are, and an emphasis on the kind of abuse you overcame in your life?
1: Well, I'm a speaker, author and accountant, and I've been in the finance business for about 30 years or so. And I started off as a financial planner and eventually moved to creating my own accounting firm and recently repurposed a lot of what I was doing because I was doing a lot of speaking engagements. So when I speak on financial wellness and a lot of this came about in part because of the emotional abuse that I sustained from being married to my husband. And the the I guess the launch pad that, that started it really was because I got in a severe car accident and I no longer could financially provide for the family. And that set off unfortunately a chain of events.
0: I can totally see that. Thank you for sharing. Emotional abuse is, first of all, extremely difficult. But when you add financial abuse, because you cannot provide, therefore, you are dependent on someone who is already emotionally unavailable and things like that, it becomes extremely difficult. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want to talk a little bit about the content of, so so, the real question is, Mm -hmm. imagine the audience, they try to put words on what's going on and they say, it's not domestic violence because he he doesn't hit me or she doesn't hit me. But the feeling is so strong, but they don't know how to call that. Can you speak a little bit into how emotional abuse unfolded in your experience? Mm -hmm. I think the first thing that
1: not just us as women, but us as a society need to recognize is this, is when you, for instance, when you go and you see someone in the handicapped slot and they get out their car and they walk into the store, you think, oh, they're not handicapped. So untrue. It's the same thing with abuse. Just because you don't see the bruises or the broken bones or the black eyes doesn't mean abuse hasn't taken place or isn't currently taking place. And emotional abuse is just like a handicapped person. There are things going on internally or domestically, or in my case, a combination of domestically and financially that's impacting the healthy psychological and emotional functioning of the members of the household. So I think the first thing is really to understand that Abuse comes in many, many forms and emotional abuse is no less of uh, impactful for an individual as it is that someone who gets a black eye or broken bones or gets sent to the hospital. It's just a different version of it. And sometimes that version of emotional abuse, just like physical abuse, can linger and reside in a person or a family or a set of dynamics within the household for years and years and years. So I think that's the, the first thing really to, to understand that um, it's more than it's more than it's more than tears, okay? It's more than crying over something terrible said. It is it is a very vicious, unfortunately very vicious cycle to be in, just like the physical abuses.
0: Absolutely. That is true what you say. What I can add on it, because I'm so victorious over 15 years of domestic violence, and in the domestic violence I experienced, there was 90% of emotional abuse and 10% of physical abuse, besides all the rest, but those two. And what I can really confirm from having experienced it is that a bruise or a broken bone, or some some blood going out in because of a fight, that goes away. That heals itself naturally. It goes away within a few weeks, sometimes a few months when it is super, super, super bad. But emotional abuse does not go away by itself. That's that was very my true. biggest discovery in that experience emotional abuse keep on piling up in your heart in your experience and it has to go one way or another. Yes. So that you actually can address it. Yes. And
1: unfortunately it it to me it kind of implodes, you know, with you. And I say that to say that I didn't realize until i had gone through years of therapy that how i thought of myself was a lot of lack of confidence and lack of value because of the emotional abuse and you're absolutely right the bruises heal the bones heal all that stuff the the stitches come out all that is is wonderful and great but emotionally There is long-term suffering that if it's not properly addressed and coped with, then you're setting yourself up for a life that is not as full and as happy as you deserve. And we all deserve a full, happy life. But we can't have that unless we look at ourselves and value ourselves and know that within us, is so much greatness and so much good, and that we have got to start by loving ourselves first. And I think that's that's been the joy, is when you start really not just liking yourself, but loving yourself. You start elevating yourself on a different platform. You start realizing that, hey, I have to ignore all that stuff that was said before, and look at how I feel about myself and make sure how I feel about myself is paramount because how I feel about myself operates my world. And if I want my world to be a joyful, happy, prosperous world, that means I've got to constantly invest in myself. I've got to constantly improve myself. I've got to constantly love and like myself and start saying and thinking those words to elevate myself so that I can be all that I want to be.
0: You are speaking truth, Scarla. It's beautiful to hear you say those words. They are so crucially, they are paramount. When you elevate yourself, meaning that you elevate your own vibration, you elevate the words you tell yourself, You do not wait for someone else to tell you you are beautiful extraordinary wonderful and the daughter of god right you tell that yourself and because you tell that yourself it starts you can start to feel it it starts to yes. feel great and because you start to feel great that starts to radiate on others who will then give you the feedback wow you are beautiful you are radiant right yes yes
1: And, you know, and it's so amazing to me, and it really was when people started saying things like that, you know, like you're an amazing person, or you're great, or you're really good at what you do, or you really act like you care about me as a client, whatever they said started making me realize gosh i'm i feel like i'm having a boomerang effect you know i feel like i'm constantly throwing stuff out and now these things are coming back they're being attracted to me back to validate that actually i am making i am making progress i am becoming those things that i have decided i want to become But I mean, I think that's a lot of what we have to go through as human beings is understanding that we make these decisions on how we feel about ourselves and what we think and how we're going to set up our businesses and what's going to be our standards and our rules to live by. And it's just like I think when you get more and more into saying, hey, I want to become that person and start saying, okay, if I'm gonna become that person, what does that person look like? Does that person look like that wounded animal that I used to be? Does that person look like that person who would go to an event and stand in the corner and never open her mouth? Do I wanna still be that person or do I wanna be something greater? And what are my risks? What are my real risks? If, if we understand that we can, and we do move on from our abusers, if we really, really understand that, then we have to understand that our level of risk has got to move into a level of safety. But we have to create that feeling of safety for ourselves, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whether it's over business, whatever it's over, whether it's financial, we have to create that moment, that feeling, that, that little house of safety. And I I wanna share this little tidbit with you, Gemma, Gemma, because it was one of the best things that my therapist could have ever told me to do. He said, whenever you're feeling like you're going down, um, I used to suffer a lot of depression behind this, going down that rabbit hole, or you're going to encounter this person again and you're afraid this person is going to hurt you again. He says, I want you to close your eyes for a second and imagine you have the big puffy coat on and you, and put that put those arms in that coat and 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 zip that coat all the way up to your neck and then take and walk like this and then meet that person. Because guess what? That coat is going to protect you against any words or anything done that is designed to attack you or hurt you. It's going to bounce off that coat and I will guarantee every time it will work. And it was like, wow. Okay. I'm going to try this. (laughs) And I found out it worked every single time it worked. So every time I knew I had to encounter my ex-husband, I made sure I put on my big puffy coat of protection I made sure I zipped it up to my chin and whatever was said, whatever was done, whatever was implied, it didn't matter. It bounced off the coat. And it was a wonderful way for me to start healing and getting that spot that I really needed to get into, which is what was with, with that little like I always call my house of safety. And that that house of safety said, I'm not going to take this emotional abuse anymore. This person is not important to me anymore because, of course, I divorced them. Took a while, but I divorced (laughs) them, And I am a better person, though. I had to take it one step further. I'd say I'm a better person because of it. Because this is sometimes what the negative experiences in our lives do. They force us to do one or two things. You're either going to fall down and be a victim or you're going to get up and you're going to be a superhero. And I said, I'm going to be a superhero. I am going to get up. I am not going to let someone beat me down and keep me down. I am better than this. And then for me, my other piece was my children. I said, if if I can't survive, they can't survive. And this was huge in my world because I knew they were affected by my set of circumstances.
0: That is true. It is true that our set of circumstances impact our children way more than what we would agree to acknowledge. I also mm-hmm. have firsthand experience about that. Um, what has been the key moment? because I understand that it took some long time for you to actually be able to pack up and go, or maybe to to chase him away, I don't know, but to actually separate from your now ex-husband. What did it take for you? What was that shift? We all have that shift one moment in time. What was that shift? So
1: I was, I was married to him for just about seven years. Mm-hmm. And so basically what happened was mm-hmm. I got in, so... You know, we live the life, you know, the, the fancy house, the, the nice cars, two kids, all like that. He worked for the government. I was an entrepreneur. And get into this huge car accident. I'm my my brain is scrambled. You know, my, my body's messed up. We go through all those processes. Um, and in this these processes, I'm I'm barely recovering, but this is where a lot of the abuse, I, I don't know if he looked at it like an opportunity to beat me down. I don't know. But this is kind of like when it all started. And he wouldn't take care of the kids, but I wasn't functioning. And it kind of like didn't matter to him. And um, because I couldn't work, I had to shut down my insurance agency at the time. And so I wasn't bringing in, you know, all that money anymore. And I was making a lot of money. I had a, a huge staff not anymore. It all evaporated. And then, you know, he stopped talking to me and he stopped talking to the kids and he, um, would, wouldn't hardly pay any of the bills and all this stuff started just going on. And it was, it was really horrible. Mm. And the problem was, was I know I was being affected, but, you know, I was going to therapy, like, several times a week. And then I was going to physical. I was going through all of that. But I didn't realize how much the children were being affected. And my oldest at the time was, oh, I think she probably was three or four years old at the time. And she stopped talking. And I would take her to preschool or whatever, you know, that phase of life was. And she would not participate. And she had previously been a, you know, yakker and social and all like that. And then things got worse. She just started kind of withdrawing, you know, just, just. And, and I'm like, I'm your mom. Tell me what you need. Tell me what you want. And she would, she was, she was like short of catatonic almost. It was awful. And then when, She started wetting on herself. This got to be, I'm like, we've got a a major issue. And I will not forget this one particular day. I don't know what happened. I was upstairs with the baby, which, you know, her sister. And she came upstairs. My husband was downstairs. I heard something. I, I, I don't know what I heard. She comes upstairs. I'm in the bedroom. She just stands there. And she just looks at me and nothing comes out of her mouth. Nothing. And I remember that was the moment. I kept saying, what is it? What is it? What happened? What was said? And she would not say not one word. And then she started to cry. This moved me. Like, I don't... (laughs) gosh, it was like a crane that, or a bulldozer came in and just slammed me. And that was the moment because what I realized was my child was in danger. My, my child could not process at four. What can you process at four? Not much, right? And I realized that if, I am going to survive and these children are going to survive that I had to leave. I had to pack my stuff and leave. And literally that night I started packing up. And when he went to work the next day, I started trying to find a place to live and try to figure out what I could do to pretty much save myself and save these kids. I don't, I mean, that was my, my motherly instinct wound up being beneficial for all three of us, for myself and my two children, because that led to the next stage of, you know what, she needs help, I need help. The baby was too young, so, you know, she wasn't as affected. But that was my most pivotal, most emotional moment I think I've ever experienced which was literally, I felt like, you know, like how fires are. And people think, what am I going to grab? The fire is burning down my house. They grab their children or they grab their pets or they grab their children and their pets and they're gone. And that's what I felt. I felt that, that flight, I gotta go. And I gotta go now if I'm gonna save this little human being that is a part of me.
0: You got me emotional too. I see and I understand exactly what you share. It's, I mean, because you care so much about your little beings, your children, who are entrusted to you for their growth and then have to continue on their own which is the entire plan of life. And it's like, yeah, but if I stay, I'm failing her. I'm not going to fail her.
1: That's it, We exactly. are going
0: to change our lives to all of us, the three of us, baby included. And, and God creates a way. Exactly.
1: Exactly,
0: what I find magical in that kind of case, because I have the same I have the, the the same stories I knew in the sense of that moment I decided to leave, I had no plan, I just left, and now what? <laughs> it's like pretty amazing. what I find truly miraculous is that when you are at this no return point, breaking point, you actually realize that the fear of the unknown, of not knowing what's next is less terrible than the emotional abuse, the physical abuse, the financial abuse, the the constant being crushed and being eaten alive by all these energetic vampire around you. Yeah. It's, you don't,
1: I don't think you think about the fear of the unknown as much as you think about what you do already know and need to, and you know, you've got to change it. And that, to me is, is part of it is because you're right that the fear of the unknown gets to be this big because the fear of what you already know and experience is this big. And so not knowing for me wound up being, I will figure it out and I'm going to start figuring it out right away because I have got to change this. I've got to change it. If I'm going to survive and I'm going to change it, if this little child is going to survive, because she doesn't deserve this. She's four, you know? And I think part of my surprise for myself was I felt like I was too old not to know, you know? I had been in enough relationships. I felt like I should have, for some reason, known that I I should have gotten out earlier. And I think this is part of what we question with ourselves. When we're in an abusive relationship is, well, why didn't I get out earlier? Why didn't I, you know, I had all these other chances, whatever, because sometimes things just linger and you're, and I think, and I don't know if it's a woman thing where we're sitting around saying, oh, it'll get better. It'll blow over. Or maybe if I just do this, it'll get easier or this will change or whatever. And that is not the reality of the dynamics. That is, I think, when we're really still, let's say, fooling ourselves because we want things, as much as you want things to change, the reality of how people operate in the human existence is people change when they're ready to change. Okay? And no one and nothing can make them change until they're ready to change. It doesn't matter what it is. And so I think sometimes when we are being abused and unfortunately getting in the victim mentality, we think we don't have the power because we're being victims, right? <laughs> you know, we're we're being the the subject of the abuse. Instead of trying to, to project out, oh, well, if I do this, he'll change and he'll stop beating me. He'll stop being emotionally abusive. He'll stop ignoring the children. He'll stop um, withholding the finances. So I'm literally scraping the sofa for change because there's no money you know, in my pocket to, to go get a, a bottle of milk or some eggs or something like that. Instead, starting to look at, I can't change that outside. I can't change that person. I can't make them do anything because guess what? They're grown. Okay. But what I can do is I can change me. I can look to be more resourceful. I can look to get a part-time job. I can get to asking friends and family or whoever for help. And I think that is part of that whole transformation from going from the victim mentality and the abused mentality to I can be a superhero. I can be a superhero in my world. I can be a superhero to my children. I can be a superhero to my business. But I think we have to get out of that thought that, oh, if we just if we just do this one more thing, <laughs> it's gonna change things and
0: no. No, it does not. <laughs> no. Yeah. Carla, I am convinced because of the the depths of what you share with us today, people want to contact you. What is the best website they can explore more about you? It's simply
1: speakingtoelevate.com, just okay. like it sounds, speakingtoelevate.com. And on there, um, I talk about being a speaker. I talk about being an author, but I also talk about why I speak what I speak. (laughs) So I speak a lot about financial wellness and a lot of people think, oh, it's just about money. Uh, I've been an accountant for 20 years. It's not just about money. And I also run a nonprofit the nonprofit uplifts teenagers so that they understand and learn about money so all those quick links are on that website speaking to elevate.com but the thing is is i want to uplift i want to empower people one of the things that i i i hear now and then when whether i'm talking to a tax client or a bookkeeping client or you know, even a teen that's got her first job and she messed up on her first paycheck is stop that self-negative talk. Stop feeling like you should be ashamed that you didn't manage your money well or that you blew this or have bad credit. Stop that talk. So speaking to elevate is I want to give encouragement to people truly for what is considered financial well-being. That means taking control of what you're doing financially, but also to taking control of where your mindset is, because that's huge in
0: so much of what we do. It truly is, it truly is. Kiala, thank you for elevating us today, elevating our spirits, giving us hope and a glimpse of your life experience that got you where you are today. Thank you for that.
1: You're welcome. And I appreciate you allowing me to share. This is something that is, you know, it's definitely your wheelhouse and it's your your special superpower. <laughs> um, and it's been good to talk about why I got to be where I got to be, you know, And that was, I just refused to be beat down, not just as a woman emotionally, but financially, and want so much to be in greater control of my destiny. And this is where I want others to be.
0: That will be written in history. Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome.